Alright everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast. I'm your host Jeff Gluck and today it is a very special edition of the Driven Life series where this year I've been talking to people about motivational or self-improvement stories or habits that could help you out. Today I am speaking with a NASCAR fan named Matthew Todd. I've never met Matthew, I've only communicated with him on Twitter But I think Matthew's story and experience is something that you're going to want to hear and you will find valuable. One year ago this week, Matthew suffered a traumatic brain injury, which I will let him tell the details of. And as he recovered, NASCAR was something that helped him bring back some of his memories, which he was struggling with. In fact, I first heard from Matthew when he was following some of my tweets on Twitter and had no idea why he had been following me, but realized through all the coverage that's out there that he not only liked NASCAR in the past, but he liked it all over again once his memories came back. That's just scratching the surface, though. This is a very heavily edited interview. We did this by phone, and the conversation lasted well over an hour, and I wanted to edit it down into something that was in a digestible podcast format. I will say that Matthew is on Twitter at Matthew Todd 04 and he invites anyone who would like to hear more of his story to contact him and he said he'd even hop on the phone with people. I'll explain more of that later but for now let's just start and get right into our interview and hear Matthew's story. Okay we've got Matthew Todd on the line now. Matthew how are you doing? I'm doing well Jeff and it's it's a privilege to speak with you. I'm very glad to be here, and uh, I have enjoyed our exchanges on Twitter, and uh, it's it's so great to be able to communicate with you. So, Matthew, if you can just start by taking us through your injury and how it all happened, um, that would be great. Uh, absolutely, and I appreciate you asking, Jeff. Uh, yeah, uh, my life changed forever uh, in April of 2018. I was holding a door for a lady and took a few steps away from the door after she was in, and uh, a displacement caught my right foot. It uh, caused me to stumble, and I just fell down to the right. I put my right arm out my elbow to catch myself as I was falling forward, and uh, something caught the right side of my head. And on the way down, uh, instead of just having a, a bump on my head, uh, it tore the cranial artery in half. Uh, wow. it, it ruptured the artery. It, it, the, the displacement, the object that caught the side of my head, hit it in the perfect spot, and uh, it tore the artery, the cranial artery uh, that we all have there on the right side of our head. And um, I can tell you this. I remember falling. I remember holding the door and, and taking a few steps. And then, you know, everybody looks and falls uh, from time to time, I guess. But... Uh, it is uh, usually not a, a, as tragic as this was. It's injured me for the rest of my life. Uh, but I can say that in addition to this being the worst injury I've ever had, outside of having my daughter, Harper Ruth, this is the greatest blessing that God's ever given me. That that brings us uh, to the reason why we're having a conversation today. 
Wow. Yeah. Uh, that's that's a lot. So um, so I guess what what happened next? I, I assume you were immediately transported to the hospital. They gave me my first helicopter ride, and unfortunately, I don't remember a darn thing about it. I've never been on a helicopter before, but I was that day, and they got me into Durham at Duke University Medical Center, and uh, operated on me immediately. But I was incapacitated from the time I fell and made contact with the with the displacement that uh, tore my artery. And uh, I was put on life support. Wow. Uh, I can tell you that the procedure, I believe, was supposed to last two hours. About 90 minutes into it, uh representative uh, met with my mother and had her sign some paperwork. They informed her that from the neck down, your son is very healthy. And he has healthy organs. And from the neck down, he, he's very healthy. Uh, what you signed here is for us, they said he is an organ donor, right? And she said, well, he has the heart on his license. He is an organ donor. And uh, they said, great, uh, we can use his organs. And the other form you signed is to give you the rights to his body. Wow. And that that statement there, when I would share this uh, this story with my friends, family, whoever, that's that's something that would make me cry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would get emotional right there, but uh, I can't imagine what my mom went through in that moment. The, statistically, with this injury, you, you, uh, the large majority do not live, and if they do live, they have extreme disability the rest of their life as far as their bodily functions, motor skills, cognitive skills, the works. And uh, I was very fortunate, but they were still operating on me, and uh, they went, uh, got through the procedure. And God bless me with the fact that my brain did not swell. They were very worried about the 12 hours immediately following the uh, cranial surgery. Uh, they opened up the right side of my head. I had 93 staples on my head. And uh, my brain didn't swell. So they were able to put me in a private room in the ICU. And they had estimated I'd be there in the ICU anywhere from 30 days to several weeks, and then I'd go to another floor in the hospital and remain there for the foreseeable future. Now, during this time, Matthew, uh, you had told me you were absolutely positive that you experienced a taste of the afterlife, and I know we don't have time to go into all that today, but uh, you had described being on a vessel and experiencing vivid colors you've never seen in real life and also seeing loved ones who had passed away. And this all happened immediately after your injury? Uh, I went straight into uh, uh, a level, an area of complete peace. I was in no pain. I was uh, not bothered by anything, just an unconditional uh, euphoria of peacefulness. Um, you know, I've never been through something like this or a near-death experience, and most people haven't, but this is something that was just incredible to me. It takes me about 40, 45 minutes to tell the entire story, uh, but I saw relatives, I saw friends, they were healthy, they were happy, uh, they looked better than I ever saw them here, and I'm walking through these doors into a light, wondering where I'm going, there's no sense of falling or uh, fear, nothing. And as soon as I go through that light, I'm sitting straight up in my bed at the hospital, just like a bolt of lightning through my back. It, it felt like the, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, linebacker core had all hit me at once. Wow. I'm sitting straight up and I'm in a hospital bed in Durham, North Carolina. 
And you said, uh, we talked earlier, you said this was about three days from the time of the accident uh, to the time you woke up. That's it, three days. And I know they had told your family there would be a chance that you'd never be able to walk or talk. And if you did, it would be weeks or months before you spoke with any sort of coherency once you came out of your coma. Um, But you did come out of your coma, and you immediately told people that you had experienced heaven, you said, and that you had to go to the bathroom. Uh, And I know there were a lot of people around when you suddenly came to, uh, right? Because uh, things had looked grim, so people had had showed up. The news was bad. I mean, everybody literally at that time was waiting to when I was going to pass away. Like he's maybe a day or two, but there's going to be a funeral. I woke up, uh, I I was seeing, there was a lot of people coming in and and checking me or, or seeing me. Uh, all I was doing was, was talking to family and friends the best I could. I couldn't remember anything uh, for sure. I remembered uh, at that time, I remembered my daughter and my dog, Blue. You know, over time, things started coming back to me, but not in great detail. Uh, but it didn't matter. I was, I was completely, uh, I was completely in a emotion of just, uh, subtle happiness. I'd been through a traumatic brain injury and I was just peaceful at that time. Everything, my brain was not flowing. It was not working properly. And you mentioned that your stay in the hospital was actually shockingly short. Um, I believe you said less than a week after the accident you were uh, able to go home because you passed some cognitive tests. And I guess under some sort of a state law, um, if you pass those tests, you have the right to go home. And you said you did. Uh, so they just sent you home with a lot of restrictions on what you could do, uh, but you were still in the very early processes of your recovery, right? I got back home on a Monday. Uh, it was Monday afternoon and laid down on the bed in my room. And after about 10 minutes of laying there, I had no idea where I was. I had no idea what house I was in. I didn't know it was my house. That's how far away I was from everything until my uh, cognitive function allowed me to start uh, processing memories. And uh, still to this day, I have a lot. I look at pictures of my daughter over the course of her five years and have to wonder, uh, like, when she took her first steps, her first words. Those are things that I can't nail down right now. Uh, I have very good, uh, some very good detail on things. I've been reliving uh, the days in the hospital uh, often, uh, but there's lots of things over the course of my 37 years that I can't recall in detail, and I rely on family and friends to help uh, piece me in. Also, going to a place and looking around, the, re- the reason I mentioned the house and not remembering was all of my signed diecast. Uh, I started collecting diecast several years ago, not a lot of them, but I'll, I'll enjoy the driver to sign it in silver on the windshield. Mm-hmm. And um, my first Father's Day gift was a Jeff Gordon signed Gen 7 uh, car uh, that I got for Father's Day. And um, just an absolute wonderful uh, sport in general. But I don't recall watching television during that week. I don't recall doing much of anything. I had no sense of hunger. I could not process hot and cold temperatures, uh, all that kind of stuff. So that Saturday, following Saturday, I cut on my television, the TV was on, and I go to turn a channel, and the DVR was recording. So the first question is, what's a DVR, 
and what is this? And mom said, Matthew, that's, that's a race. And I'm like, well, what race is it? She said, that's a uh, Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series race. And they were racing, as I recall, at Richmond. I'm not 100%, but I believe they were in Richmond, and I didn't even know that I was looking at a NASCAR race. Wow. Um, but Mom explained to me that I was a large fan of the sport. I have been since I was three years old. So you had no idea that you were a NASCAR fan. Uh, obviously, you didn't know what it was, so you didn't know that you were a fan. You know, I had no idea what I liked and didn't like. Uh, right down to food, music, sports, hobbies, uh, all that stuff. And um, the NASCAR, through your work, through following that sport, that was able to bring me uh, a lot of happiness in the memories that came back to me. And I had time on my hands, and, and I enjoyed watching the shows, the races, and everything that I could about it. But it also started waking up the the memories that I had in that particular thing that I enjoyed racing. Uh, just constantly, you see, read a name, or you see a car, or number, team, uh, uh, you know, whatever it may be, it just wakes something up. Like every race I've been to, I can't remember them all now. I used to be able to. I uh, used to be able to tell you who won the races. Uh, some I can, some I can't. Uh, I, you know, the details of specific memories come back in full force, or I'm only going to get a piece of them, or none at all. Wow, it's so hard to uh, understand that and grasp that, but um, it sounds like NASCAR essentially played a role in helping you retrieve those memories, right? It, you know, imagine the hard drive of your computer being wiped clean and then all the memories flowing back in. Uh, sometimes uh, early on it was very slow and then it picked up very, very quickly to where it comes back every day. I could be doing anything and a memory from a random time in my life will come back to me. And uh, as far as the racing, so I, w I went through everything in my house and I remember seeing the yellow bib that had a number 18 on it. And that brought back the memory of visiting Joe Gibbs Racing uh, several years ago. I'd gotten a bib for my daughter, Harper. And, uh, of course, she loves M&Ms. Uh, she got a pack of those tonight, actually. And uh, whenever a race is on, she's always looking for that number 18. It, I cannot tell you how much happiness it brings me when a memory comes back and then something that I have a great and positive passion about. Uh, these are, are things that are just so happy, but one of the best memories that has come back to me was looking at the number 24, but I was seeing the name William Byron under it, and I was like, no, that, that doesn't match to me. I don't think that's, this is not what I'm recalling. And then uh, Jeff, Jeff Gordon's name, you know, I don't know if I read it or what, that comes along, and I see the die cast. I pull that out, look at it, okay, it was Jeff Gordon's car, piece together that he's retired. Um, and then, bam, the first race I ever went to comes to mind, and that was the 1994 Coca-Cola 600. Looking at the die cast, seeing, uh, following your work, things build up. The more time you spend on it, just like the exercises I have to do for my pathologist. Wow. Wow, that's so cool. Well, I, I do want to shift gears a little bit here uh, with the theme of this podcast and talk about what perspective you've gained from this experience and having a second chance at life, really. 
Um, one of the things I've noticed from following your tweets is you often tweet about the word real and you capitalize the R in that. Um, why do you do that? Real is, is one of the most important words that I have uh, because uh, real people, real knowledge, and real experiences, th- those three things, real people, real knowledge, real experiences, that's what matters. I feel like uh, fake stuff is a waste of our time. Uh, I feel like people that are not honest uh, are a waste of our time. I feel like um, enjoying a sunset or a sunrise, that's a real experience. Um, and I, I, I cling to what's real. I don't, I can't read, uh, I, you know, back when this happened, I could not follow a movie. I couldn't read a book because I couldn't remember from page to page or several pages what was going on. Just like in a movie, I'd watch it begin, and 20, 30 minutes later, I wouldn't know what was going on because I couldn't follow the course of the story being told on the screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've I've healed through that. I know I've seen you mention before that it bothers you when people judge others, and that's something that you no longer do after the accident. Back when it, this happened... Your car, how new or old it is, didn't matter. Your house, how big or small it is, didn't matter. Uh, your clothes, how stylish or not stylish they are, didn't matter. Um, your job, uh, how, how extravagant or, or whatever you want to call it, didn't matter. I just worried if people were healthy and happy. Uh, the judgment of where someone eats or where someone sleeps or how they earn their living, none of that at all mattered to me. And to this day, uh, I care about someone's health and happiness. I do not uh, look at the stature of a person by the material things they have or the amount of money that they have. I only care if they're healthy and they're happy. Going, uh, going to a restaurant, I'll never, ever go to a restaurant again, Jeff, and worry about uh, per se, well, I've got to get that piece of prime rib or I've got to eat the chicken soft tacos here. Uh, all I care about is who I'm with and what kind of a real experience or real conversation or real, real enjoyment we're going to have. You also mentioned you were as guilty as the rest of us uh, in terms of speeding through life and not taking the chance to enjoy it. And I see from your tweets now that you really take the time to savor life's small moments, even something like watching rain hit the driveway. Is that correct? I used to go 100 miles an hour and and do everything, you know, getting everything done that I can get done, packing the most I can pack into one single day. And now that I've had this time to actually be forced to slow down, stop, pay attention to what's going on around you, the beauty of the world around us is just amazing to me. Uh, the day that you're referencing with that tweet, I was sitting in a garage and I was watching the raindrops fall on a concrete driveway that I've known most of my life and I had never noticed the reflection of the sunshine off the raindrops when they hit the ground. They looked like diamonds dancing to me. Uh, I had never, uh, I would sit outside for several hours and listen to the birds chirp feel the breeze, watch the sun come up, and just absorb every bit of the natural beauty that this world provides us. But seeing a good sunset 
looking at the stars, um, seeing the moon. Those are things that are just absolutely, uh, they put me in a condition of awe. I'm in awe over those things. Stuff that when you're busy day-to-day, you're working, you're going here, there, you're raising a child, you're doing the best you can, you don't stop. You know the old saying, stop and smell the roses? I encourage everybody to just appreciate the air to breathe, food to eat, clothes to wear, car to drive, a job to go to, or if they're retired or unable to work, make something of the time you have. Uh, I, I walk around knowing today that while the afterlife to me, heaven is very real, we have to make the most of our time here. We're all on a clock, Jeff. We don't know when that clock's going to stop, and we do not control it. So it's better to just not waste your brain energy and be uptight, mean, mad all the time. It's better to be kind, you know, above that honest, genuine real you know if if you don't like something you don't like something you know if somebody you care about wants to know why you don't like something feel free to tell them do what makes you happy that that's not a get out of jail free card to do whatever you want but be kind you know if, if you like uh if you like double cheeseburgers eat double cheeseburgers don't eat them to the point where you're going to gain too much weight or have a heart attack but enjoy it somebody likes the hot dogs at martinsville Gobble them up. Enjoy the hot de- hot dogs at Martinsville. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. Well, speaking of Martinsville and going back to racing for a moment, you said you no longer have a favorite driver because you don't have favorite anything um, and you never will again. But it's not because you don't like the drivers, but you said your appreciation for what they do dwarfs any individual rooting interest. Is that correct? I can appreciate what these people did in that industry that brought so much happiness to millions of fans. That's what it all boils down to, right? Why do we enjoy going to, why do people enjoy playing golf or playing computer games or uh, anything, cooking? They do it for happiness. They do it for solitude. They do it to try to slow their mind down and enjoy some peace. That's a, it's a really good reminder, honestly, for those of us who work in NASCAR as to what uh, what the sport can bring to people. Um, on another note, you said a big positive of Twitter was helping you rediscover your interest in racing, but you said that it also bothers you after your experience. Is that right? Uh, I'm very saddened by the fact that it seems like social media has become a cesspool of opinions, and we all have those opinions. But just because someone's opinion is different than yours doesn't make them a bad person. It doesn't mean the world's going to end. It just means that they think a different way than you do about one particular topic. You know, mm-hmm. you go to a rest. You know, you go to a restaurant. Uh, I might order the hot dog. You might order the cheeseburger. Guess what? We're of a differing opinion about the menu, but we're still going to enjoy ourselves and have a great conversation. Matthew, on a final note here, if you could just give people uh, one bit of advice on one thing that they could do differently to appreciate life a little more, what would it be? You don't want to wake up every day and look at every single problem or issue a person may have. Just focus on the small things that you can do. Work on the small things, and then once you do enough of those, you'll see a big change in the large things. But you, you know, you cannot 
you've got to keep your focus on what's important, but enjoy what you like to enjoy and be respectful of someone enjoying something that might be different from you. All right, everybody, there you have it. I'm back here in real time. That was my conversation with Matthew Todd. And uh, Matthew was willing to share some photos um, of himself right after the injury, including uh, kind of a, a gruesome one of all the staples in his head. So if you would like to see that for whatever reason, um, that will be on the written version of this on jeffgluck.com. Again, I really appreciate his time and um, being willing to share that. Uh, this was something where we had um, been talking, at least online, since last summer uh, as his recovery was ongoing. And uh, I, I wanted to, to share the story with people um, and talk to him in person. But, um, you know, I, I figured ultimately uh, if that wasn't going to happen, we should do it over the phone because this is something I thought people need to hear. And it just so happened to uh, coincide with uh, the one-year anniversary of his accident. So I do feel uh, a, a bit bad or guilty that I, I shortchanged him a lot on some of what he had to say, including some of the stuff that was important to him, such as um, his journey to heaven uh, that that he felt strongly about. And uh, he really goes into great detail on some of that. And, and uh, I just didn't have a really a place for that to include that all in the podcast. But again, he encourages anybody who is interested in that story or wants to hear more about it to reach out to him on Twitter. It is Matthew Todd 4 and um, said he'd be even more than happy to, to hop on the phone with anybody and, and share that experience. He's, he's quite uh, passionate about all that's, all that's happened to him and the new perspective that he has on life. Well, shifting gears back to the racing now, coming up on the next edition of the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast, it's going to be a post-race podcast from the Long Beach Grand Prix, and I will combine that with Richmond. So I'm um, planning to watch Richmond on Saturday night. I'll be at Long Beach, and then I'll do a, a podcast, I believe, after the Long Beach race about both races, if the timing works out. Hopefully uh, the NASCAR race will run a schedule on Saturday night, and they won't both be running at the same time on Sunday or something like that. But anyway, uh, that will be the next podcast. And then a 12 questions interview with Matt Benedetto is on tap for next week. Thank you so much for listening as always, and I will talk to you next time on the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast.